Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you here this morning. My name is Aaron Barner. I had the great privilege of being the lead pastor here. and It's uh, my privilege to bring the word uh, this morning with you. If you have your Bible, if you would turn to the book of Romans, we continue our series Romans chapter 5, we'll finish the second half of Romans 5. I'm excited about uh, opening this passage and and walking through this with you. Um, Hope you've had a good week. As you can tell, um, we have some new decorations. We're turning uh, things, starting to turn things over and getting ready for Vacation Bible School. Uh, Poor Bob, he had the weight of the whole world on his shoulders up here today. that's a good dad joke, right? Um, you know, the cool thing last week is uh, Lisa gave me uh, a book of dad jokes for Father's Day. So now I have more in my arsenal. And so I'm really excited to be able to share more of those in the future. Um, man, we're, we're excited. There's a group of us. There's 17 of us today that will leave um, after the service this morning. We'll head to the Allegheny National Forest uh, about three, three and a half hours away from here. Uh, and we'll be out in the woods all week and uh, just uh, leadership training, uh, looking and seeing how do we learn. Uh, there's a learning cycle. And as we walk through that learning cycle, learning, learning how do we learn? How do we, how do we glean and work through things? Yes, there are different methods of learning. Some are audible, some are visual. But we're going to walk through how does somebody really learn? And then how do we as leaders then having that leadership cycle say, okay, how do we help people learn um, and, and to be able to grasp hold of, of course, the truth of God's word uh, and, and then to be able to live that out. And so we're excited about that. I would encourage you, if you would, pray for us. Uh, I think it's supposed to rain four days right now, four out of our uh, six nights of sleeping out in the woods. Four of them look like rain, uh, but it's a great thing. God's in control and he knows exactly what we need. And uh, uh, I'll never forget the very first trip that Lisa, I took Lisa on. Uh, Lene was just one, one year old. Uh, we left her with, uh, with friends. And uh, we, we, I took her with a group of teens uh, up to the Canada Wilderness, uh, the Algonquin Provincial Park, which was uh, about eight and a half hours away. And she had never been on a wilderness trip before. And I took her out there, and it rained every day. <clears throat> and the first night, I'll never forget, as we got into the tent, I just uh, rolled over and just to say goodnight to her. And she said, don't touch me. I don't want to talk to you right now. I don't even know why you brought me out here. So where we're going this week is so much better. Like we're luxury, like, yeah, we have electricity and some other things. We have restrooms, we have showers. So it'll be, we're living the high life, you know, like out in the woods. Uh, We do not have good cell phone um, reception. Uh, So if you do need something this week, um, um, the deacons and Pastor Ed are available. We sent you uh, in an email Um, their information. So please reach out to them uh, if there is a need that arises uh, and we will travel. I will travel 
um, at least a couple days just to get my messages if there's something uh, direly emergency-wise um, so that way we, could, we know. But we'll be praying for you as you walk through your week, and we look forward, uh, we covet your prayers as we walk through the week, the 17 of us. We dig into Romans chapter 5. If you would, stand with me. We're going to read through this. It'll be up on the screen um, behind me, but it will, I, I encourage you, if you have your own copy that you follow along um, before you, whether it's electronic or in your paper form as well. Romans chapter 5, we'll start in verse 12 and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and Lord, to lift up your name, to sing about the grace that you've so wonderfully showed us and that you've given and extended to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can, we can read it and study and dig into it here, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would take your word and that it would penetrate our heart. Lord, that we would leave here different today because we've met with you and we've heard your word and we've allowed it to change us and to mold us more into your image. Lord, we need you to show up today. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me as your vessel and through your word in a powerful way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So I've titled today, um, The Free Gift. If you go through this section of scripture, uh, you'll notice that the free gift is mentioned several times. And anytime you do a Bible study, I would encourage you as you observe um, and read through passages that, that you, you can write in your Bible or you can highlight in your electronic Bible. That's okay. It's not sacrilegious. I promise you. All right. But as you start underlining things, you start seeing 
things that uh, reappear over and over again. And this is a phrase, the free gift, that appears in this section several different times. And as Paul is writing and mentioning this, uh, in a way, he hasn't covered this too much. And so what he does is he's helping uh, the, the believers here in Rome to grasp hold of this free gift that God has given to them. Remember, as he's been building all along, he, the, the unbelievers, all right, the, the, the non-Jews who God has given over to a debased mind, and then even those who are Jews who say they follow the law are practicing the same thing that those who are non-Jewish uh, in chapter 1, chapter 2, they're doing it. So they don't have the right to be the judge, but there is a just and righteous God um, who sees all, in Romans 3, he sees that all have sinned. And because all have sinned, we need God's grace and we need that gift that's been given to us. And he shares in chapter 4 about how we are justified, how we're made right. Abraham was justified through faith. And just as he was justified through faith and made right with God, we can be made right with God, but it's through faith. Chapter 5, as we started last week, we looked at we have peace with God. While we were enemies of his, we were sinners, we now have peace with God. And I challenge you to be able to grasp hold of that concept of a perfect God. And here we are sinful men and women and children and teens. And yet here we can have peace with God, not because of what we do, but because of the righteousness of God that has been given to us. And so now we encounter this next section in Romans chapter 5. In verse 12, he says, therefore. And Paul has continued to say this word, and it's important for us. We just saw it in verse 1 of chapter 5, but we see it here in verse 12, and then we see it again in verse 18. He continues to build upon this whole concept of how is one obtaining this rightness in God's eyes? How do we have this righteousness this justification. And those are terms that he continues to use. What is, what, is, what is needed is the wrath of God to be poured out upon sin and upon disobedience, upon those who are not right, upon those who are not justified or just. And Paul writes here, therefore, just as sin has come into the world through one man, we know that to be Adam, right? You read through the book of Genesis, and Adam uh, sinned in the garden. Here, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God gave them one rule. Their rule was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, they're going to change that rule a little bit when Eve is tempted by Satan. She says, oh, we're not even supposed to touch it. Uh, God didn't say that. He said, you should not eat of it. That's the law that God had given Adam and Eve in the garden. And so when he gave that to Adam, Adam was to pass that to Eve, but they rebelled. Eve ate and shared with her husband, and he ate, even though he knew what the rule was. So because of that, uh, death was given to them. God had warned Adam and said, if you do, the day that you eat of this, you will surely die. Now, did they die that day? No, they were cast out of the garden, but their, their punishment was death, to be separated from God. Their, their bodies that were, to, that were not made for death were now going to decay and were going to die. 
And because of that, death is now spread to all men. As Paul writes here in chapter 5, verse 12, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all men because what he said in chapter 3, he's reemphasizing again here for us, because how many have sinned? All have sinned, all right? And, and just so you know, you are able to participate, all right? If I ask a question, you are able to answer. All have sinned. So my question is, have you sinned? Yes, you have sinned because how many have sinned? All have sinned, all right? All have sinned. And thus, because all have sinned, we deserve or we experience death, okay? Death through that sin. Because of sin, it was passed down from Adam. That sin that's in each one of us, we're born with that condition in our heart. All right? You're not taught that. You don't have to learn to sin. You are born with that condition of your heart. And so the only restitution or the only way to be resolved from that condition is what Paul is writing here. Verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Some people look at this verse and say, man, this is really hard. How do you, how do you make sense of this? What do you mean the sin wasn't counted? Well, Adam's sin was counted against him. Thus, the judgment happened and he was thrown out of the garden. Okay. What, <clears throat> let me give you an illustration. Here's a good story. Let's say you're a young couple right? You're a young couple. And as you start your first couple years, um, you have bills that you're paying and you have, uh, both the husband and wife, you're, you're, um, working two jobs and you're working these jobs and you're paying your bills. Uh, but after a couple years, you come to realize that, oh, there's a house for sale and you'd like to buy that house. When that house goes up, you say, okay, I need to go get a loan. And when you go to apply that loan for that loan, you have to start taking an inventory of what your bills are, and you start to realize that, wait, we, we have been spending more than what we've been getting in, and so now we have a record of this, and now you have a realization that, okay, wait, we were just getting, we, were, we had this two income, kind of is like a picture of my life, Lisa's and mine, like, we were newly married. We were having two incomes. We didn't have any kids. Seth and Dana are laughing. You're like, yes, we know exactly what this is like. And uh, Jimmy and Nina do too. But now that's going to change very quickly once that child comes along. But then all of a sudden you realize when we went to go buy our home, we were living not off of a budget. The budget was going to help keep us in line all right, but we didn't have any knowledge or recollection of what we were spending versus what was coming in. It's kind of a picture of the law, right? So after Adam and Eve sin, during that time, people still sinned. They disobeyed. They were doing things contrary to the nature of God, even though the law wasn't written. The law is great because the law shows us the character of God. All right. And so when the law came through Moses, the law showed humanity that we can't keep the law. We can't be good enough to be righteous on our own. 
But without the law, mankind still was falling short. They were still messing up or what we would call disobeying. They were still sinning against the character of God. They just didn't have an account of that. And that's what Paul is writing. And so don't let it throw you off as we look at here. Paul's not saying, hey, the people from Adam you know, to Moses uh, were, are off scots-free because you know, the law wasn't in effect and thus they weren't sinning. No, they still sinned. We have record of it. If you read some of the Old Testament, you'll have record of what happens before Moses shows up. Was there sin? Most definitely. All right? Think of, you don't have to go very far to get from Adam to the Tower of Babel, right? And what, what, what's happening there? And why does God disperse? Because what God told them to be fruitful and multiply and spread out, they weren't even doing that. And so he has to cause different languages to take place amongst the people that causes them now to spread out amongst the earth. So they weren't even keeping that law there in a sense where God had told them what to do. And they were still disobeying that. So Paul is trying to help, again, especially the Jewish believer to try to reconcile between the law and, and the forgiveness that God offers apart from the law. And so that's why he goes back even in chapter 4, he goes back before Moses and before the law, and he talks about Abraham. And he highlights just briefly here a couple different statements where he's making the point that even before the law, these people weren't perfect. Uh, they didn't have the law that showed them their transgression. They didn't have the budget laid out that where they could see where they were spending their money, right, and where it was going as they brought it in. But they still were sinning. And because of that, death was coming even to them. Verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. What we see here is, again, death reigning from Adam to Moses when the law wasn't there yet, because the law came to Moses, so he wants them, the hearers, to understand Okay, yes, through the law came the knowledge, and he's going to speak of it a little bit more. The law brought more sin. And that's a curious statement that he's going to state in just a few moments, in a few verses. But he's making a point here, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Before you even get to the law, even, those, even though those who were sinning, it was not like the transgression of Adam. What do you mean it wasn't like the transgression? Well, Adam had a law. God had told Adam exactly what not to do. And while their transgression wasn't in direct disobedience to what God had said, they were still disobeying the very nature of who God was. They were doing the things that were contrary to the way that they should live. Thus, when you, again, you think about this, think of Noah's day. And what was in the hearts and the minds of the people all the time in the day of Noah? They were rebellious against God. Well, they didn't have the law, but they didn't need the law to know what was right and what was wrong. And that's what Paul is mentioning and he's making here. Even though Adam, the transgression was different, 
He was a type of the one who would come. And I want to take you just briefly, if you would flip over, it'll be on the screen, but I want you to open your Bible and work your fingers a little bit. Genesis 3, verse 15. Because, again, Paul's going back and he's helping the Jewish uh, hearer to reference back to the beginning. Go back to Adam. Adam is the representation of sin and death. And Paul writes here that he is a type of the one who would come. What does that mean? Well, in Genesis 3.15, God says this to Adam after they had fallen, after they had sinned. In verse 15, God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Whose offspring is coming? Mankind. Ultimately, the one that is to come, the Messiah that speaks of the Messiah who's going to come and deliver mankind, he is the one type of who? Adam. And so Paul mentions this in this verse. Just as death reigned, wait, there's someone coming just like Adam, but is going to be different. Verse 15, back to Romans 5, 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. While we have these similarities, Paul's writing, now there's something different. The free gift, and this is the first time that he's going to mention free gift since the last time in Romans 4.4, but really he mentions gift in chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. So jump back to Romans chapter 3 and look at verses 23 and 24. We know verse 23 pretty well. Right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a what? A gift, right? First time Paul mentions it here in this, in this letter. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now jump over to Romans 4.4, 4, where he'll, again, piggyback a little bit upon that gift, and he's going to help clarify it a little bit. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And so it's not this gift that you get because you're doing things. No, a gift is given to you. What's due is a wage. And so he says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as he walks us through this, the gift is not like the trespass. And he explains, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Christ Jesus, abounded for many. Notice it doesn't say for all. It says for many, because not all will accept that free gift, but all died through one man's trespass. Many died through one man's trespass before. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Christ Jesus, abounded for the many. In the free gift, verse 16, the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following the trespass brought condemnation. 
Adam sinned. He trespassed. He broke the law that God had given him. Because he broke that, the judgment that as he was standing in the court of law brought condemnation. He was condemned. Condemned to what? Death. Separation from him for all of eternity. Paul's writing here. For the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. This is an amazing sentence. If you look at it. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So unlike the first Adam who sinned and because of that death followed. And thus he was condemned. Here, the free gift is given even after trespasses, many trespasses. And what does it say? What does it lead? It brought what? Justification. Remember, this is a legal court term to be justified. It means that your account is no longer in want. It's paid in full. You've been justified. Things are in right standing. We are now in right standing, even though there are trespasses, there are following many trespasses, because of this free gift, it brought justification. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, because again, he again takes this term reigning, it's, uh, you think of a king reigning, Right? He's on the throne. He has the authority. Death had the authority over all of mankind passed on through Adam. And because of that, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of the righteous reign of life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So now, what do we have reigning in us? The reign of life. You have the reign of death, but now, because of the free gift, and he explains it here, it's the abundance of God's grace, and it's the free gift of righteousness. He reminds his hearers of what he's already, what he's already stated. You're not good enough to do it yourself. You don't have enough righteousness in you. And in fact, you don't have anything. Because what you have is a bunch of wages that deserve death. You have death and death is reigning in your life. But because of God's grace, what has been extended to you as a gift is life. Life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, let me pause here for just a moment and talk about two things. Number one, for those people who think that there are multiple ways to get to heaven, there are people who have said to me multiple times, oh, we just worship the same God. No, it's very clear. There is only one way to enter into heaven. There's only one way to have a true and real relationship, an ongoing relationship with God. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as you sit here today, 
you have a decision to make upon the grace that is extended to you. You can either trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to believe that he, like Adam, is the one man who represents you, the perfect God-man who died on your behalf, who hung on the cross, bearing all of your sin, and as we talked a couple weeks ago, taking the full wrath of God upon his shoulders so that we don't have to experience the wrath of God. You accept that free gift by God's grace, and you claim him as the only way. Jesus is the only way. He is the only hope that we have of having eternal life. He is the only way we can be justified and made right in God's sight. There is no other way. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And so I don't care what the internet, you can Google it all you want. I don't care what people have to say, a magazine, a podcast, whatever. Read the Bible. Look what the Bible says. Look what God has told us. And you say, well, I don't know if I can trust the Bible. Do a little research and stop being lazy and dig in and say, does this book, does it really matter? It's lasted thousands of years and it's completely accurate. This is God's word to us. And when God speaks to us, we better listen. And God says there's only one way to have righteousness and to have eternal life. And that one way is through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's your responsibility and my responsibility where we have a choice whether or not I'm going to accept that free gift or not. Now, let me show you a second thing. In order to come to receive that free gift, you, you need to understand how desperate you are. Paul's already mentioned that, but let me remind us. You are so desperate. You are like this story. And I'm telling you, God is so good, right? Zach and I are out running errands, doing all kinds of stuff yesterday. And I've just been praying the last couple of days, like, Lord, I really need another illustration. Because I have one for the end of the sermon, but I really need one now, you know, for this middle part. And sure enough, we're driving on West Market, uh, I don't know, about 7 o'clock last night. And God gives me this great illustration. So I want to share it with you. It's pretty cool. Zach and I are driving West Market, headed from, uh, what's a good point, like uh, heading past the mall, all right, and we're going um, to Target, all right? Don't judge me. I just was looking for something, and I couldn't find it, all right? <laughs> we, we went to four different stores, and we couldn't find it still. So we're going past the mall, headed towards Target. If you know Market, we're headed this direction. There's four lanes. Actually, there's five lanes. There's a turn lane in the middle, all right? And then there's two other lanes, one, two going one direction and the other going westbound, eastbound, westbound, all right? So we're headed. I ran a red light at the mall. I didn't mean to, which left me all by myself, right? So I'm going through, and I, there's nobody else around me. And as I'm going, I'm feeling very guilty that I ran a red light, um, but then also too, like, okay, I got to pay attention. Somebody might pull in behind me. Like, you know, I might've got caught as I'm driving. There's this red Camaro. It's an older model, older version, but it was a nice Camaro still that pulled out in front of us and sat there in both lanes of going eastbound. Now, there's nobody else around me. I told you why already. Um, God forgive me. He has. 
all right? And I'm like, initially, my first response is, why did that person pull out right, right in front of me, right? And so I'm about ready to lay on my horn, but then I realize the lady who's driving, she's in a panic. Like, I can see, because I have my glasses on, she, I could see that she, she was having to restart, and as every time she got it restarted, she went to give a gas, and it stalled. So in my mind, all of a sudden now, I go from getting ready to honk my horn to very compassionate because uh, I taught my girls to drive a standard, well, a stick shift. And so I'm like, okay, maybe she's just struggling, you know, like she's struggling to get it in gear and to get going. Um, and, and I feel that. I feel that tension, right? And so all of a sudden now, my mind's like, okay, give her grace. She's trying to pull out. It's okay. Well, at this time now, cars are lining up behind us, all right? And, uh, and in fact, there was one guy who went in the other bound lane to go around us, all right? And so as I'm there, I realize, again, she's trying to do everything she can. She even tries to put it in reverse to back it up. And every time she hits the gas, she can't, it just stalls. Well, then she can't get it restarted again. And so finally, I put on my hazards and I get out of the truck. All of that taking place in a very short time, mind you. You get out of the truck and I just walk up to her and I say, can I help you? And at this point, she's in tears. It's an older woman. And, and as she's just sobbing, she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, why don't you put it in neutral? And I said, my son and I, we will push you um, back into the drive where you pulled out. And I said, when I, when I say when, you put your foot on the brake then so it doesn't roll back into the street and then you can put it in park. She said, okay. So I motioned to Zach, he helps me. We help push her out. I share that story for this, which she ended up running out of gas and we went and got gas for her and filled it up. And uh, it was a great opportunity to show the love of Christ along with sharing Christ with her. And she had experienced a lot of difficulty. She was just visiting her hundred and some year old uh, mother. Um, she had, she herself, the lady who was driving the car, had a walker in the back seat. She couldn't even walk to the gas station, which was only a block away. She wouldn't even have been able to do that. And, and then she shared as we filled up her gas tank a little bit um, about her husband who had, has, has cancer. And as he's walking through this, now the cancers come in a different area of his body. And just how, how she's been living this life of, of, of just a weight that's on her. And here she was stuck. And that's the illustration here. Here's this lady in the middle of a five-lane um, street. Her car has stalled out. She does not have any capacity to do anything. She can't get out and push it herself. She, she doesn't even know really what's wrong. She's stuck with no ability to change her circumstances. And all the while, people are flying by, people are honking their horns, people are frustrated, and yet here she is. Lost. Stuck. Folks, this is where we are. If we're honest with ourselves, we're like her. 
So much of what we try to do in life, we try to do ourselves. And when it all starts crumbling down, we're stuck in the middle of these two lanes with other people and other things coming hard at us, and we can't fix it. The truth is, we're all sinners. We all deserve death and punishment and separation from God forever. And you can't move the car. You can't change your life. You can't change where you're going. You're at the mercy of someone coming along and extending help to you. That's what Paul is writing here. He's saying, listen, there's a free gift that's been given to you. Death and sin was passed down from one man, Adam. But through Jesus Christ, life, justification, earlier in this chapter, peace with God has been extended to you. And there's nothing you have to do but to accept and to believe in that free gift. Some people really struggle with this chapter because uh, they want to look at James, which is very true. And don't, don't miss out. Come next chapter. All right. He talks very quickly. So grace, so we continue to sin that grace may abound. It doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want to do, but we need to see the beauty and the awesomeness of when we are so helpless, we can't do anything. And God has saved us. God has given us a free gift that we don't deserve. Isn't that amazing? And so when you place your faith and trust in that one man, Jesus Christ, your account is not only right. Righteousness has not only been accredited to your account. Your relationship has been restored with God that was broken back with Adam. But we get to have life. So many of us walk around like we're, we're trapped. But Paul's writing and saying, listen, you have life. You've been given a free gift. And that's through the life of one man, Jesus Christ. He sums all of this up in verses 18 and 19, where he says, therefore. And ultimately, he sums it up in this way. Therefore, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Condemnation, righteousness. Death, life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, the law came in to increase the trespass. Some people look at this and say, why would God give a law that would make people sin more and more? Well, he gave the law to reveal his character. Remember I said that earlier? It shows mankind who he is. Giving the law is actually a very gracious and loving thing that God has done. Because it reveals to us who he is. It reveals his nature. It reveals how he thinks, how he lives. And he wants us to model the way he thinks and how he lives. Now, don't keep the law as a list of things to do. The law shows us the character of God. 
So the law came and it increases the trespass. Remember what I said from Adam to Moses. They didn't have the law, but they still sinned. After Moses came, what Paul is writing here, the law helped people acknowledge and know what they were doing was sin. Thus, it increased because they didn't have the knowledge here. They have the knowledge here. You have the budget laid out for you. You know, you can see it clearly. I'm falling short. And because of that, you see how it keeps racking up. The law came in. As it's come in, it increases the trespass. But, so that's the law. But when sin increased, what does it say? Grace abounded all the more. Now, while I do believe there's two ways to look at this passage or that verse, what I just shared, and also looking at when you have a list of rules, our rebellious hearts want to disobey those rules. It's not very long that you can sit in a classroom of kids and you see that very quickly. Give them a list of rules and watch them disobey it. I should probably say, give a list of rules to men like me and see how many we disobey. All right? Take me on a trip and <laughs> out on an adventure and I'll see how many I can break just because it seems fun sometimes. You're, you're, you're laughing because you know, you know what that is. Where the law is brings more sin. But Paul says where sin abounds, where sin increases, God's grace increases all the more. Isn't it amazing that when we do fail and when we do make mistakes, that God's grace is sufficient to cover it? Thus, we shouldn't be walking around living guilt-ridden lives. Not that we go continue to sin that grace may abound. That's another sermon. That's another week. We'll get there. This morning, I want you to focus on the fact that God doesn't want his children walking around guilt-ridden, so, so, so demeaned, so, so defeated, that you're walking around like, I'm good for nothing. I messed up again. Paul's saying where, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. That shows how loving and gracious and awesome our God is. And then verse 21, sin reigned in death. Grace reigns through the righteousness that leads to eternal life. Again, as you live your life and as you think about this concept of a gift given to you, I want to ask you this question. What are you doing with the free gift? Remember, it's a free gift. But what are you doing what are you doing with it? I didn't ask, what have you done with it? What are you doing with the free gift that God has extended to you? Number one, we have to accept it. I hope that you've accepted that free gift and claimed it as your own. That's the first step that you have to take. Once you've accepted it, you need to live it. Because living it helps me to live a life not filled with guilt every time I mess up, but it acknowledges the grace and the righteousness of God that spurs me on, 
that encourages me to live for him because he's so gracious. Because he's made me right in his eyes. Because death no longer reigns in me, but grace reigns in my life. So I need to live that. And I live life in such a way that's not bound by a bunch of rules and regulations. But I live a spirit-led life that is focused on this gift that's been extended to me. So how are you living it out? What are you doing with the free gift that's been offered to you? Have you accepted it? Are you living it? And number three, are you sharing it? Are you sharing it? Several years ago, I think when I first started preaching, I started talking about, um, I don't even know how it started. I started incorporating an F-150 in my sermons. And I really believed that one day I was going to have an F-150 in heaven. Like, I think we're going to have jobs to do. And my job is going to be able to drive a truck around and transport things. And so I, as I shared over the years about this F-150, I dreamed about it, but I was just fine. We had, uh, we had a, a nice um, Ford Taurus that God gave us, and we drove that car like crazy. And then we had a nice uh, Ford van that God gave us, and we drove that thing like crazy. And then God gave us a, a used Honda van that we drove like crazy until somebody smashed me in the back of it. Uh, Actually, the person who gave it to me, who I bought it off of very cheaply, is here, my friend, Pastor Kevin. Um, and, and we drove that till it got crashed. And then God provided another car, another car. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like, thank you, Lord, how you provided and how he's blessed us. But I never thought with my salary um, and Lisa's occupation that, I'm not going to be able to afford an F-150, but that's okay. I'll get one someday. It'll be in glory. And that'll be even better. Well, one day, somebody called me up and said, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you. And you never know what that's <laughs> like. Okay, what does that mean? Like, I just would like to meet with you. And they wouldn't tell me on, over the phone. They just wanted me in person. And I said, okay. And when we met... Um, this person didn't want to come into the office. They wanted to talk out in the parking lot. So I'm like, oh. I'm like, really? What did I do wrong now? Um, and this individual said, I, I wanted to share this in person um, because I don't want you to be offended. I'm like, okay. Again, all these things lead up, and my mind's just going 100 miles an hour, right? And she says, I'd like to buy you a truck. And I said, you can't do that. She said, that's exactly why I said I needed to meet with you in person. Because I don't want you to be offended. She's like, I know you've always wanted a truck. And she said, this individual said, I'd like to get you a truck. And I said, you, you can't do that. And then I remember the voice of a dear saint, Dorothy Lockler, who, who was part of our church for a number of years. She's home in glory now. And Dorothy called me to her house one day. It was on a, on a Tuesday morning. She said, Pastor, I'd like for you to come. And I'd, I have a few things I want to share with you. And I said, great. And went and sat on the, her couch. And she gave me a glass of water. And she said, Pastor, she's a gracious woman. 
but she said it so frank. You're not a gracious receiver. She said, people try to tell you something and you blow them off or they try to do something for you and you excuse it. And she said, all you have to do is say thank you. Just say thank you. And she said this statement. She said, when you, when you don't accept that, that compliment or that gift, you're stealing their joy. And I never forgot that. So I'm here with this individual who's telling me they want to buy me a new truck. And I'm like, I can't, I can't take that. that. That's, I'm not, all these things that run through my, I'm not worthy enough to have a new truck. Like I, I, I don't deserve that. What are people going to think about me if I have a new truck? That's why I'm talking about it a year and a half later. Because I don't want people to think bad of me. But here this whole concept of just accepting this gift. Because this individual felt led by God to do something and to bless me from it. And so not to steal her joy, but to graciously accept this gift that I could never repay. And as I walk through that whole story and that situation... It reminded me of, of God's grace in a such bigger way. And, and I am blessed with a nice F-150. It's red. It sits out in the parking lot, and I love it. Every time I get in it, I pinch myself. It's like a dream come true. It's not an idol, but I like it. <laughs> but the truth of that truck is it's going to rust. It's, it, I can get in a crash, God forbid. It could be totaled. Uh, it's it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade away, right? But that picture of God's grace will never fade away. What God has given us and the gift he's given us, eternal life, that we get to experience a relationship with God that is so real. It's just like getting into a truck and riding in it. When we experience that relationship with God, it can be that real for you. God wants you to have that relationship with him. And he offers you a free gift, something that you can never repay. Something that you don't deserve to have, but that's the beauty of it. And that's what Paul is writing. Here is this gift that gives you life. While I would hope that all of you could experience a great F-150, especially you, Tom Manley. He likes those bow ties, but... That's why I say that. I want you to have an F-150 or a nice truck or a nice car or whatever your dream is. But what I want more for you, I want you to experience the free gift that God offers to you. Because there's nothing like it. And we need to be reminded of that. And that's our message today. The free gift. And what are you doing with it? Accept it. Live it. And share it. Share it with others so that they can experience that free gift. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the way you've blessed us. Uh, Lord, beyond our wildest thoughts, as we live for you, we see you working. And while we walk through times of hardship, there are struggles. We can still count it all joy. Lord, through those trials and through those hardships, through those difficulties, because we know that you are a good and gracious God. 
We see it all throughout scripture. We see it in the creation around us. But we also see it in this passage that we've read today about the free gift that you've extended to us. We see your grace and the evidence of your grace and your love manifested through your son, Jesus Christ. Through Adam came sin and disobedience and death, but through Christ comes comes life, righteousness, and justification where we can live with you forever. We can never repay that back. You desire for us to live our lives in a way that views this gift uh, as, as supreme, as important, that we would cherish this gift, that it would transform and change our lives, which it should. And I know for so many who sit here today, it has. And yet, Lord, I pray that as we walk forward today and this week ahead, Lord, that we will continue to cherish the gift that you've given us, the free gift of eternal life. So, Lord, help us that we would accept it, continue to keep accepting it, even though we don't feel worthy enough to be called your child. Lord, to live it, to live that in a way that shows, that truly believes in our own mind and heart, that lives this gift out. And Lord, that we would share this gift. I pray that you would help give us boldness and give us strength. That you would provide opportunities across our path, even as you did yesterday, Lord, with that dear woman who is in utter need desperate or there are people around us in our world and I pray that you would give us boldness and strength to love them like you love us and for us to share the gift that you've shared with us we love you Lord and we pray this in the name of Jesus amen